Good day, everybody. Tom Block and Keith Jones with you. The final time this year we get to wrap up a Florida State football game. And yet another time we get to wrap up a Florida State football victory. So, KJ, how are you, sir? Uh, after last night's performance, as we're, uh, as we're recording this uh, for uploading, uh, and by the way, listeners, to know of the dedication of one Mr. Thomas Block, uh, he's actually in the car. Uh, he's uh, pulled over to the side. He's, he's, he's operating correctly, but uh, he and, uh, uh, is headed back to Tallahassee from uh, the night's activities in Orlando. And given those activities, Tom, 10 wins, can't ask for much better. Side note, I've also seen many of the great parts of our great state, KJ, including parts of your hometown of Wildwood, Leesburg, Bellevue, Ocala, you name it, I've seen it so far today. Well, what that tells me is that the interstate system uh, is operating with other people, and one, one Mr. Block is using his Florida knowledge uh, in the backways and the and byways to, to head back home. Yes, let's just say that uh, things are not flowing efficiently in terms of traffic. And things did, not, <laughs> things did not flow efficiently for Florida State out of the gate. What was your thoughts as we jumped to the game on how Florida State started the football game last well, I, I was I was one of those folks, probably uh, along with many, that you know they they took the first drive down and and, and had to settle for the field goal. And I, my first thought was this doesn't bode well. And then obviously Oklahoma scores twice to make it fourteen three, and and it didn't bode well. Um, but with this team, we've all learned uh, you need to you need to watch them for the full sixty minutes. I think that's just a kind of a a uh, Norvell thing. Uh, I think it was that way at Memphis. I think it's going to be that way at Florida State. Uh, they play for the full 60 minutes. So if they get up, uh, then then that's good. But if they get behind, that's not terrible news as they did last night. So I was a little apprehensive in the early going, uh, but obviously got very, very happy, especially when we got into the fourth quarter. Well, I think you bring up a good point, and that is that this team has matured enough now, and we've talked about this a lot over the last couple of years, it's been part of the process as they continue to get better, but uh, they're, they're not down and out if things are not going their way. And they, they have responded, Coach Norvell would call it response. How do you respond? Well, they've responded well several times, including last night, including against Florida when they were behind late in that game, including on the road against Louisville this year. Uh, and that's something that we would not have predicted or that we had not seen from a Florida State team in several years when you look back. So that uh, we may gloss over it now. You may look at it and say, well, Oklahoma was 6-6. Six and six. They shouldn't have had to respond, and we'll dive into that a little bit more. But the fact that they are able to respond, that's a, that's a positive uh, occurrence, a positive thing. You know, you would, you would hope that would be the case all the time. But as you mentioned prior to Mike's arrival and even, even arguably his first year, uh, that wasn't the case for this particular Florida State brand. And as a result, uh, there were some – folks that were not happy, but that has completely corrected itself. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm very pleased with the effort, uh, the attention, the detail, um, the, the, uh, just the guttiness of, of this program and these kids in this program. So going back to the start, Keith, this is what it, this, uh, a broad statement first, it looked to me like Oklahoma came out angry prideful and disrespected because for the last month all they've heard is how they're a 10-point underdog to Florida State and let's not lose sight of the fact that this Oklahoma's been in the college football playoffs several times those guys are used to winning 10 11 12 football games a year and they played like it and so they were the aggressor and I won't say that Florida State 
played scared. I don't think they played scared, but uh, they they seemed a little timidly on term. One order they found legs may have half time. It may have been late second quarter. They started playing more characteristic Florida State football, at least of what we've seen this year. Agree? Disagree? Uh, I, I would agree. Again, I don't know the reason. I don't know if you give credit to OU or you 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 cast a little negativity to Florida State and how they prepared. But I know this: once they got hit in the mouth, uh, they responded. And, and between me, you, and the fence post, you know that's the last thing that has to happen uh, for you to be successful in a ball game. You got to get your dander up a little bit, and it got a little chippy. Uh, I was a little disappointed, if you will, in some of the actions on both sides in terms of what was going on, but that was just suggestive of how competitive that football game was, in my opinion. Well, and I I always hate to bring up the rest, but I'll bring them up here. And, again, the larger point is the same one we made out after the Florida game or that I made. I just get frustrated by the inconsistency of the way different conference refs call football games. So this is two games in a row with SEC officials. And clearly, they let the teams play. I mean, you say, Chippy, there was there was after-the-whistle contact, action, pushing, shoving, punching, almost all game long, and it was clear the officials were not going to throw a flag on it. And that's fine. They, were, they didn't flag either side for it. But when Florida State's conditioned to how ACC officials call the game for eight games of the year – which is the exact opposite. They call everything. If you touch a guy an inch out of bounds, it's a 15-yard penalty. It's great to see. Now, Florida State did respond, and they were able to do so without being the the, the team or the player that received the uh, the flag for retaliation, if you will. So I thought that was good, but I, I continue. I know I'm beating a dead horse here because we do this uh, frequently. The, the lack of consistency in the way the game is officiated frustrates me. Well, I was happy. Uh, I don't know if I read or how I came about it, but prior to the game, I did know that the SEC uh, had assigned those officials, and I felt like it, it, it would put Florida State in, a, in as good a chance as they could be. Uh, I, I'm not as harsh on the refs as you are, but I agree with you 100%. So turning the page on that, and well, and again, just to, just to finish it, I, I thought the refs were, they were consistent in that they weren't going to call anything. So, I mean, that is consistent and fair in the, in the one game, uh, you know, view. In the macro view of game over game, that's where the, the inconsistencies show up. The other thing I thought was noticeable, Keith, and I think we probably glossed over this, maybe not glossed, and when I say we, I mean the collective we. I mean FSU fans, FSU media, us, everybody. We, we failed to account for the fact that though Oklahoma is 6-6, six and six, they have a lot of really good football players on that team. I thought defensively that their quickness, their linebackers were tremendous. Side to side, they covered a lot of ground. They came downhill in a hurry, and Trey Benson could never got on track. And and offensively, we talk about how both their tackles had opted out. Well, guess what? Their second-string offensive linemen, they're better, a lot better than Florida State's second-string offensive linemen right now. So collectively, they've got a better roster, 1-85. to 85. And I think we may have glossed over that a little bit and just said, well, Oklahoma had some key guys opt out, so this is going to be a cakewalk for FSU. And and we we overlooked their schedule, uh, some of the games that they played. They've had some injuries. Uh, Gabriel hasn't uh, – their quarterback hasn't been in every ball game. Um, and I think he was – I think he surprised Florida State's defenders with what he could do. Now, he only – 
only completed 14 passes. But those passes that he completed and his mobility, um, you know, I know FSU ended up with six sacks, but technically about three or four of those were really runs. They weren't the traditional sack. They just count because the quarterback still had the ball and he was behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, I thought he was unbelievable. And then their freshman running back, um, Sawchuck, ended up with right at 100 yards rushing and 15 carries. He certainly didn't um, – I, I never saw their, their number one running back that led the, the conference in rushing who did opt out with those two tackles. But if he was much better than uh, Gavin Salchuk, I, 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 I failed to see that. <laughs> right. uh, along, with, uh, along with Barnes. Barnes ended up getting the bulk of the carries, but um, the freshman was quite, quite phenomenal. Yeah, so it was a good effort from Oklahoma, and we're just giving larger context to the game uh, overall. I thought a couple of other key points here. Fabian Lovett didn't dress out and play. And we've seen this year when Fabian hasn't been there in the middle of the defense, it's been a different Florida State defense. Now, Fabian, as it turns out, has been hurt pretty much since the Florida game, and I don't think he's practiced a whole lot. So I don't, I don't think the fact he didn't play necessarily tips his hand one way or the other in terms of what he's going to do in the future. But Florida State missed him. And then beyond that, the secondary – really got battered and bruised, Keith. Jarian Jones went out. Akeem Dent went out. Uh, other guys went out for a couple of plays. And the result of it was that, you know, Sam McCall's no longer on the football team. I don't know that I saw – well, Sidney Williams, I think, was there. But they basically ran the same four or five guys out there the whole second half, Keith. And, and three or four of them were second teamers, Jamie Robinson being the exception, who I don't think he came off the field, and that's why he was cramping up and having issues. But – uh, so Oklahoma took advantage of that a little bit, but it was a, it was a tired group there that did not have the full complement of, of starters. And that speaks again to some of the depth issues as Florida state continues to rebuild. When you run the ball 60 times, I think Oklahoma had 84 or 85 plays. They ran the ball 60 times, you know, something that's a little different that folks don't understand, particularly for your front seven. Uh, you get a lot more winded on run plays than you do on passing plays because you're having to chase the ball all the way to where the ball is. You know, if you're rushing and they throw the ball quickly, uh, you know, after two seconds, you're, you're over because you're not going to get 40 yards downfield. But when it's a rush play, you, you've got to extend and expend yourself for the entire four or five or six or seven seconds that that play is going on. And again, we're talking seconds, but, Contrast two seconds versus seven seconds. That's three and a half times more effort. And when they're doing that 60 out of 85 times, you're going to be winded. There's no question. Certainly showed up in the football game. That said, Florida State played better defensively in the second half. They got four stops in the second half, got a turnover. Kudos to Duke Cooper, by the way, who did not have the year anybody anticipated. I don't think he was really healthy all year. Had to play a lot of snaps last night, and him knocking the football out, Keith, that proved to be the difference in the game, really. It was the extra possession that got Florida State the extra points. Agreed, agreed. Uh, on big stages, big players make big plays. Or no something question. like that. <laughs> well, so that leads to the offense then, Keith, and Jordan Travis continues to shine when the spotlight is brightest. I don't know – what else we can really say about him? I, there is going to, there is, if we want to nitpick, there are some areas where he can get better, but he's at a pretty 
high level right now. 400-plus passing yards, two touchdowns, 50 yards rushing. More than that, command of the offense, presence, uh, just his leadership, all the intangibles that he has. He's taken his physical ability, Tommy, and has worked on it. You, you, we knew he had the wheels. A couple of years ago, we were talking about, you know, maybe there were some things he needed to do differently throwing the ball. He's corrected that, worked on that. Uh, the leadership part is unbelievably evident. You were down on the field. You're out there at practice occasionally. I can see it just as a viewer, just as a fan. You know, how he interacts with uh, his, his teammates on the uh, sideline, his composure, um, his command, and, you know, they don't huddle, but when I say his command in the huddle, I mean his ability to get people lined up and get in and out of plays. The one area that he will, I think, continue to mature and get better at uh, is making those pre-snap adjustments. And I think as he continues that growth, then Coach Norvell and, 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 and his staff will give him more and more uh, ability, uh, will give him more and more opportunities. Um, you know, there were, there were times, particularly when Winky was playing back in the day, where, you know, they didn't even call a play. They would line up, Winky would see what's going on, and he would audible the play. I can see that happening with Jordan. He's just progressed so far. And when I talk about how could he get a little bit better, well, the one area, this is nitpick, he's, he's gone from being a guy who was run first to now he clearly keeps his head up and looks downfield. He even makes good decisions on when to throw or when to keep it and run. But there's, there's maybe one play a game where he needs to follow the Tom Brady, Peyton Manning approach, and that is just throw it away in a hurry because you're not going to win that play. Instead of instead of fighting for something, he took a sack for a six yard loss on one of these where he, he there was nothing there he needed to throw it away. But again, that's incredibly nitpicky. But it is something that he he does have room to improve on next year, and maybe next year we'll see him make that throw away, and so it becomes second and ten instead of second and sixteen, something like that. And I suspect if you were to have a private conversation with him where he was being brutally honest, he would tell you, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I try to do too much, and that that's the nature of a competitor. Yeah, and that's not just him. I mean, that's the that's the nature of of college athletes in general. I mean, the the great ones you're going to see that from all of them. They all. Uh, I think it's hard. You would know better than me, Keith, on this. It's it's hard to realize that the smarter play at the time is to just fall down and take, you know, a one yard loss instead of a six yard loss, or throw it out of bounds, whatever, and fight for another play. But that that comes with maturity, and Jordan will certainly have that going into next year. So the Agreed. second playmaker then. Johnny Wilson, I know he dropped one over the middle, but, man, the eight catches he made, about half of them were, were circus catches, included the one-handed grab on the last scoring drive, or the last scoring drive, the game-winning drive for FSU. I figured it out, Tommy. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go see Coach Norvell, and I'm going to explain it to him, and then they can implement it. He, he, he can't make the routine catch. So placement of the ball is now important, and Jordan needs to not place it between his numbers. He needs to make it where it's an acrobatic catch, and Johnny will make it. Or maybe don't try to get open. Don't try to lose your DB. Just let it be tight coverage, and then go up and make a circus catch. Either or. I'll be playing at 1A and 1B. I do think I, – I don't know what his – I would suspect that Johnny is coming back. None of the guys last night really tipped their hand on that. I'm sure we'll hear that in the next 48 hours or so. 
terms of what their decisions are going to be. Uh, but boy, you saw what his potential is. And then you also saw the raw, rough part of his game too, with the easy drop, because that's a catch you got to make. I don't know that it was going to go for a touchdown, but it was going to be a 75 yard catch and run that one that uh, Travis laid out beautifully for him yep, that he did. Yep, yep, I agree. But fun to see. And also, you know, while we're talking receivers, and we could name some guys who would who would fit this uh, description or who would qualify, but but Pokey Wilson needs to go down uh, as a really good glue guy when you look at his career. He came in with Jimbo, stayed through the Taggart years, came in as a DB before moving to receiver, and last year as a number one receiver was really not a number one receiver. He's more of a number two or a number three. But, man, this year when there were other options on the field, Pokey was just able to shine, and he made so many big plays this year that I think he's going to go down as sort of a fan phase, not for being the All-ACC or the All-American, but for being a guy, I don't, you know, pick guys over the years who, who, who fit in there. I need to rack my brain and think about some of them. They're not everybody's All-American, but they're really good football players that help the team a lot, and that's Pokey Wilson. He is the modern-day version of Matt Fryer. That's a good one at the receiver standpoint. Of course, Matt's son will be coming in next year. Mm-hmm. So we'll truly have we'll truly have the modern day version of Matt Fryer at that point. <laughs> well played, Mr. Block. <laughs> but no, I just I think Pokey's to be commended. He, 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 matter of fact, when Johnny when Johnny Wilson made the one handed catch last night, my immediate thought was of Pokey's one handed catch early in the year against LSU. But yeah. I mean Pokey had that he, he just had steady plays throughout the course of the year. The touchdown against Miami, which proved to be the game-winning score three minutes into the game. The uh, the fake punt or whatever you want to call it against NC State, where he caught it over his shoulder and ran it back 40 yards. Just a, just a solid, steady football player. Also, I guess we need to – Florida State's bringing in two tight ends in the portal, but we need to shout out Marquise and Douglas for the, the game he had with four catches, including a touchdown. And, and now you're starting to see a guy that's got – size and the things that you can't coach and teach uh, but he's starting to get coached up and look a little more comfortable out there and he's got a bright future at that position too you know uh, and, and I don't mean any disrespect to uh, any of the tight ends the current tight ends but you know as is varied and as wide open as this Norville offense uh, has proven itself to be to Florida State fans I suspect there's still a lot more growth out of that tight end position that that Mike and and, and and the staff hasn't been able to go to because they didn't have confidence in it. And again, please, I don't mean to be disrespectful to anybody, but having upgraded that position, which appears that will be through spring and into next fall, you may see more and more opportunities for the tight ends in this offense is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no question about that. And I just to, to bring home a point that really we, I don't think we flat out said it, but at, at the top when we're talking about part of the reason that Oklahoma dictated terms early on, the line of scrimmage is an area where Florida State needs to get better on both sides of the football, Keith. And I think that was evident last night. And if you look as we're talking, and again, it's Friday afternoon, if this is not as uh, crisp on the audio folks as it normally is, it's because I'm, uh, I'm in transit and I'm relying on the uh, – the cell phone towers and networks right now. So apologies for that. But the fact is that FSU has seven guys in the transfer portal right now, and three of them are offensive linemen and two of them are defensive tackles and two of them are tight ends. 
that sort of tells you what the coaching staff sees as areas that need to be upgraded. It doesn't sort of tell you. It does tell you the areas they know they need to get better at. Well, it also tells me that the kids that are entering the portal know that they're not going to be able to perform at the level that's expected, and so they need to go somewhere else to apply their wares. You mean the FSU guys who are in? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, and in Florida State, uh, having said that, Florida State's got the number one transfer class going right now, and, and hopefully more good news to come. Um, from a schematic standpoint, Keith, when you, when you have a bowl game, it does allow you time because you get 15 practices, 13 practices, whatever it is, to clean up fundamentals and to put in some new wrinkles. And I think we do have to, to tip our cap to Oklahoma and Venables for doing that. This defense this year that he brought, brand new defense for Oklahoma, and, and in doing a little homework on, on OU, they had been heavily penalized defensively, had, had had a lot of MAs, that sort of thing as they were learning the defense. And, and I think the bowl prep time allowed them to clean up some of that. States were not as good as, and they played pretty well defensively. They gave Florida State a lot of different looks. And then offensively, they really went side to side better than they anticipated they would against FSU's defense. Florida State just could not set the edge. What did you see there uh, as you took in the game in terms of Oklahoma being able to get outside? Well, I thought for a lot of the game, um, Florida State from the defensive end position was, was trying to get upfield too much because uh, Gabriel would just step up in the pocket. The limited times that he ran, he ended up with what? Uh, 14 carries, I think. Um, but they were, they, were, they were losing contain up the middle as opposed to around the edge. You know, that's one of the things that, that Jordan does. When he, when he has to scramble and buy some time, he, he pivots and goes outside. Gabriel stepped up, and I thought they were getting a little too much depth from the defensive end position. Uh, but the other part of it is, again, back to Oklahoma's tackles, you know, in order to set the edge, in order to, to, to uh, you know, turn a play back inside, you've got to have leverage. And those guys are big and they're strong, and maybe they weren't very experienced, but those two replacement tackles, as you alluded to earlier, uh, you know, they, they, they were better than Florida State's number two tackles. Uh, and so, you, you know, it's just a matter of experience for them. So I, I didn't see that much schematically. I just thought it was, in, you know, individual efforts and maybe some adjustments that probably were made at halftime because Florida State, as you mentioned, had, had four um, times that they held Oklahoma scoreless. And FSU scored, I believe, on four of their five possessions in the second half. Um, so, yeah, every game takes on its own features. And this particular one, I thought FSU was just getting upfield too much. Let's jump to end game. And apologies, folks. We're having some Zoom issues. So I'm not exactly sure where we cut out. But we're going to try to pick up with the end game situation. Uh, the first thing is unfortunate times, too. One, you have a lineman go down. Significant injury. Kudos to the team for the way they responded. And I, and I wish Jazz a a speedy comeback and all that. The unfortunate part from a game management standpoint, Keith, is that Oklahoma was calling timeout on that play. And because uh, there was an injured player, they got to keep that timeout, which meant that at the end of the game, instead of them getting the ball with, uh, say, 15 seconds left, they still had 50 or 55. So it was a difference of 35 or 40 seconds because they kept that timeout. That said, the bigger difference or, or the bigger point I wanted to make, Keith, 
the similarities and differences between the end game situation against NC State and last night. So NC State, you'll recall, Florida State either down to need a field goal to win, but at the time, there's not confidence in Fitzgerald, and he has not fixed his panic that needs to stance back. And so Florida State plays out of the touchdown and no interception. Here, they feel – but now, they were 10 yards closer. I do need to point that out. But they felt better about the way Fitz is kicking right now. And so they didn't put the ball in the air and risk a turnover. They put it in the hands of the – or the foot of the kicker. And lo and behold, for all that he's been through this year, that guy makes the game-winning kick. It's just funny the way football works out. That's why we play him, Tommy. Uh, that You know, you never know. You just never know. Uh, but, yeah, I was very proud of and for him. Um the the fifty four yarder that he missed was short, but it was on track. He didn't hit it quite well, but um, uh, yeah, last last several ball games he has comported himself very very well. Not the least of which was that game winning kick. Yeah, I just I talked to some people after the game that were disappointed with the way Florida State just ran the ball and kind of settled for the field goal. But the field goal is what you needed to win and. It's the exact opposite conversation. When when Florida State threw an interception at NC State, I had conversations with me. Why are we throwing the ball? Let's just kick the field goal. So it's always fans are fans. Yeah, it's always fans are fans. Know the result. That's right. What do you think the significance is overall big picture here, Keith? To be a ten win program now, going into the off season with momentum and getting ready for year four of Norvell. Tommy, I'm still an old-fashioned kind of guy, and 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 a couple of the commentators and other games I've seen uh, this week, uh, you know, have echoed this. It sets your momentum for for your winter workouts uh, as you move into spring ball, as you do more things. The coaches can work more with you in the summer. You've you've got a good taste in your mouth as opposed to a bad taste in your mouth. Uh, and the other aspect of it is you got a big game to start the 2023 season with the repeat uh, versus LSU right back in, in the same stadium where you were victorious in December. And so all that moves you in the right direction, in my opinion. I think it's very, very important. I know a lot of uh, folks will say, yeah, but it's a brand new team and every team takes on their own different personality. But, you know, momentum is momentum. And it, it's around the 85 plus the walk-ons that are in the program. And right now, Florida State's momentum is very, very positive. Yeah, I think overall, it's just, it's going to be fun. And I, and honestly, we were talking in advance of the game on our last show, Keith, about the big-headed factor, right? It's Florida State going to get too big for its britches too soon if they win and get the 10 wins. But now when you look back, you got a win, but it was dicey. And so maybe you got the best of both worlds. You got 10 wins, but there's enough out there on tape for you to realize there's so much room to grow. It's almost the best case scenario. That is a fact, but here's a fact that may be even larger, Tommy. Uh, You've got a program now that has developed a work ethic. And we've seen Coach Norvell in post-practice comments um, after wins this season and after losses this season. And it really doesn't matter if you won or you lost. You're going back to work. And so, yeah, I'm not worried about the big-headedness. And I think that, uh, you know, you didn't win this one going away, so there's no reason to be too proud. But you go back to, you know, the basis of the program, which is the work ethic, and it really doesn't matter when that work ethic comes into play, whether you won or lost. I know I'm probably contradicting myself there just a little bit, but 
man, these guys know how to, to play hard and they know how to work hard. And that's a direct result of this staff. Well, I don't know if you saw the post-game press conference with Mike Norvell and Jordan Travis. They were in it together with Jared Burst. And Travis was asked a question in regard to next year, and he said, I've got so much more I'm looking forward to. This team can do X. This team can accomplish this. We can do that. We do this. And Norvell jumps in and he says, and work. You're looking forward to work, which is exactly the point you're making. He exactly. Work. Don't, don't, lose, don't lose sight of what's, uh, what's the reason that you're having this success. Thought that was a good moment. Also, did you hear what Jared Burst said about the last play of the ball game? I did not. So uh, we talked about the chippiness and the trash talking that was going on, and there was a lot of it all game long. According to Jared, and he told me this on the radio too, and then he told the the main media in the in the post game press conference, said before the the last play, the Oklahoma offensive tackle said, "You're not good enough to play in the league. You'll never make it in the NFL." And Burst told him, "Oh yeah." watch this, and then proceeded to sack the quarterback along with an assist from a a D tackle there, Briggs, to finish off the game. Now, I don't know how much embellishment there was, but that's his story, and he's sticking to it. Love it. Absolutely love it. (laughs) I don't know why you'd be in there as a backup tackle talking that kind of smack, but, hey, whatever, whatever floats their boat, I guess. I guess. All right, so that's a 25th 10 win season for Florida State. Since 1980, FSU has played in and won more bowl games than any other program out there, and it feels a lot more like Florida State right now. It's been a while since we've done one of these shows, Keith. It has, and it has. And before we wrap it up, we do want to give uh, uh, some shout-out to our one of our main sponsors, Prime Meridian Bank, and the performance of the game. And I'm going to go with Johnny Wilson on this one, probably not a surprise. Jordan Travis easily um, could have been a recipient as well, but uh, – Wilson was targeted nine times, ended up with eight catches for 202 yards, long of 58. He didn't get in the end zone, but he certainly got him close enough where others could. Uh, it was a great, great performance by Johnny Wilson. And speaking of performance, go see our friends at Prime Meridian Bank, whether you need a home mortgage or a, a home equity line of credit or business loan or car loan or just regular checking account. Uh, go see our friends at Prime Meridian Bank. They've got locations in Tallahassee and Crawfordville and down in Lakeland. You can visit them online at trymybank.com. And uh, don't forget about, they always have uh, those cookies and uh, something to drink. Uh, They are the true professionals, and uh, they perform every, every day. Hats off to Johnny Wilson. Great game. That's going to do it. Have a good one, and Happy New Year, everybody.